Welcome to the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs show, a safe place for women to heal and grow, where we discover our value, share our tears as we go through the hard times and rise up as we become empowered to meet our challenges head on. Are you or do you know someone living with a disability? This week's episode of Tiara's Tears and Triumphs focuses on women with disabilities and how the rates of domestic and family violence and abuse are drastically increased for them. Women living with disabilities are amongst the most vulnerable people living in our communities, which can often sadly leave openings for them to be unprotected and isolated. If you are a woman who is living with a disability, this episode will look at what domestic and family abuse and violence looks like in terms of the different types of things that can happen. Many women do not know that this is actually what they're experiencing. And this is one of the major causes for women to stay stuck in their situation because they don't actually identify with what is happening to them as being domestic and family violence and abuse. So let's open the door up on what your basic human rights are and what domestic and family violence and abuse looks like. And most importantly, let's look at where to turn for help if this is something that you are experiencing. And for those who are listening who are not disabled, it's equally as important for you to tune into this episode to become familiar with the different types of abuse that women with disabilities are um, are very prone to experiencing. So this can help you with this awareness to be there for women with disabilities. So whether you know somebody who has a disability, whether there's a friend, family member, somebody within your circle that you know who has a disability, it'll this will help you to look out for some of the signs that you may be able to help this person with starting a conversation with them to get them the support that they need. So tune in to the rest of the episode now. Just a caution, if you feel unsafe at any time, please stop listening. You can come back anytime you are in a safe place to listen to the rest of the podcast. Your safety is the most important thing to consider. This week's topic for conversation is such an important one and I am glad that this issue of domestic and family violence and abuse as being such an enormous problem for women living with disabilities, that this came to my attention this week when I did some training on learning to recognise and respond appropriately to domestic and family violence and abuse when working with women with disabilities. Before I dive in, I will acknowledge that domestic and family violence and abuse can affect anyone in the community, regardless of gender age, location, socioeconomic and health status, 
cultural, sexual identity, ability, ethnicity or religion. While it can be perpetrated by any member of a family against another, it is more than likely to be perpetrated by men against women and children. While both men and women can be perpetrators and victims of domestic and family violence, the overwhelming majority of this type of violence and abuse is perpetrated by men against women. The needs of women with disabilities, in, including that they are subject to multiple discriminations, which isolates them and restricts their access to the community, increasing the risk of domestic and family violence and abuse and sexual assault and further reduces their choices, achieving a pathway to safety. Super challenging for women with disabilities. And here are some really shocking statistics. Women with disabilities experience violence and abuse four to 10 times the rate of non-disabled women. And 90% of women with intellectual disabilities have been subjected to sexual abuse. And for 68% of these women, it occurred before 18 years of age. And more than 70% are victims of violent sexual encounters compared to 20% of non-disabled women. So these terrible statistics, they clearly show a need for women with disabilities to have people working in support roles, whether they are family, friends or disability support workers, to be super vigilant, to recognise the telltale signs that the woman living with a disability may have or may be experiencing domestic and family violence or abuse. And if you do recognise signs, it is important, really important to respond in a way that allows the woman to communicate in a way that will not increase the risks to her safety. And then if a problem is identified where she needs support or intervention with the problems that she's experiencing, that again, that this is reported in a way that she will receive the appropriate support. And again, that she will not be left vulnerable to increase risks to her safety. So again, just in this brief time, the few things that I've already illustrated clearly show the complexity that women with disabilities face. So my number one message is always that a woman's safety comes first, closely followed by her sanity. And the underlying message is that everything else, this is the hope, the rainbow that we can look towards, that everything else can be figure outable even when it might feel like there's no way out, especially when you become tapped into the right support. The right support is always 
a key. It's always a critical key that will help a woman to navigate out of that dangerous situation that she is in. And I just want to just point out right now as we are tackling this very difficult subject that this isn't an episode of doom and gloom. This is an episode of hope, hope that you can find ways to stay safe, to stay sane and to stay supported. So let's first talk about what domestic and family violence and abuse looks like so that you can see if you can relate to any of these things as either happening to you or that any of these things may have happened to you in the past. Because even if it has happened in the past and even if you are no longer in danger of being harmed, by that person anymore, you may need help and support recovering from the things that you have been through. Every woman's experience is unique to her and every woman is unique. And women will react and respond to what has happened to them in their lives in unique ways. Some women become very outwardly reactive and some women become very withdrawn. So this week's conversation is such an important one and one that I'm glad that that we're going to be talking about. So some women will turn to harmful coping mechanisms because Their experiences have been so hard for them to cope with. Some women put every ounce of their energy into doing and achieving and they may not even understand or realise that the reason that they're throwing all of their energy into this is because they want desperately to prove to that person that has harmed them that they are strong, that they are capable and that they can kick their pain to the curb and they can fight, fight, fight their way through life. And some women, some women withdraw from life and become isolated because they have lost faith in others. And the world just doesn't seem like a safe place for them to be. So instead of venturing out into the world, they will keep themselves in their four walls and they will become very reclusive, very withdrawn. So These are just a few examples of how the pain of what has happened to women can lead them to react and respond. So one thing, one thing is for sure. Each of these women has been hurt and each of these women needs to find ways to heal. But many women do not find that time the space, or the appropriate support to help them to heal. And this can be devastating. And if you are a disabled woman with 
intellectual disabilities, it may be super challenging for you to verbalise or communicate what has happened and the way that this has made you feel. But please know that there are support services that can help you and support you in helping you to communicate and to get the help that you need. Okay, now, when we talk about domestic and family violence and abuse, then know that the thing that drives it, there's always somebody in the driver's seat and the thing that is driving domestic and family violence and abuse is a thing called power and control. And people that exercise domestic and family violence and abuse against others want to exert power and control over another person or over other people. And when I say exert, I mean hold that over someone so they have the power. And they do this in the following ways. Now, the first way is by physically harming someone. Now, if you're someone who uses a wheelchair and the person who is being violent is not hitting you but is kicking your wheelchair while you are in it, then this is still physical violence. Your wheelchair is an extension of yourself and it is not okay for anybody to be kicking your wheelchair. So when it comes to physical violence, people are pretty clear on what physical violence looks like. It's an actual physical act that harms somebody. So whether that means slapping, pinching, hitting, kicking, um, you know, these are just a few examples of what might be considered to be physically violent. Also, there's something that is a real danger, and that is if somebody puts their hands around your throat. And the reason why it's so important to speak to somebody and get some help if this has happened to you is that there can be longer-term effects of that. So you might feel okay to begin with after that, that happens, but you might actually need some medical intervention. So it's really important when you've been physically harmed to seek that medical attention that you need. So the next one is sexual violence or abuse. And I'll start off by saying that your body is your body and nobody has a right to touch you or your body or have sex with you against your will. That means if you don't know, if you don't want that person touching you anywhere on your body or having sex with you, that you have a right to say no and to tell them to stop. And if they don't listen and they continue to touch you or have sex with you, this is sexual violence or abuse. So it's really important to seek help if this is happening to you. And if you find it difficult to communicate verbally, then if you are shaking your head or if you are looking at somebody and letting them know with your, the way that you are looking them, at them that this is not something that you want them to be doing to you, 
they need to stop. They need to hear you. So you have a right to say no to that. You have a right. Your body is your body and nobody can touch your body unless it's something that you want to happen. Another thing to be aware of is that sexual violence and sexual abuse, if you're a disabled person, might even be that somebody is making you watch them touch themselves or having sex with themselves. And again, if you don't want to see this and they are making you watch them, then this is sexual violence and this is sexual abuse. So if this is happening to you or if this has happened to you, please let someone you know that you trust, let them know that this is happening to you. Or if it is safe for you to call the police or a disability advocacy organisation or a domestic and family violence and abuse service, then please do that because those services are there to help you and help you to stay safe from that continuing to happen to you. And if it has happened to you and it's in your past, you still deserve support to help you heal from the traumas of the things that you have experienced. Now, I'm going to provide a list of essential organisations in Australia. If you are listening to this and you are outside of Australia, please refer to this list uh, because what I'll do is I'll just put in a few key phrases to, for doing Google searches to help you find the appropriate services for you to contact. But I'll just say a word of caution about this is you're the best judge of what is safe for you to do. Um, and so please, you, you know, contact these services um, and only if you are not going to increase the level of risk to your safety. Uh, but just keep looking for opportunities for coming to contact with other people who might be able to support you. You have done a really good job to this point of, you know, getting through this. So you have lots of experience and you deserve to give yourself lots of credit with the capability that you've shown in getting through to this point. You just need to take every, every opportunity that you see where it's not going to put you in further danger to get support and to get help with your situation. So physical and sexual violence and abuse are both against the law and you can get the help of the police to help you make the person who has done these things to you, you can make them answerable and accountable for the things that they have done. So um, they shouldn't be able to get away with it, but your first priority is always going to be your safety and making sure you are safe. So this 
is often a dangerous time when people report things to the police um, or they involve specialist support organisations. So that's why I give you this caution to put your safety, always put your safety first. Um, because what it can do is it can um, make the person who has done these things to you uh, make them want to do more things and um, because they might be very angry about you doing something to say, no, you can't do this and I'm getting support to say, no, you can't do this to me. So a lot of people, they understand that physical and sexual harm are wrong and they can see this as being under the banner of domestic and family violence and abuse. That's sort of where it stops for a lot of people in their understanding of what domestic and family violence and abuse looks like. But there are quite a few other ways that people can use power and control against others. And this is also part of the types of things that happen to people who are experiencing domestic and family violence and abuse. These things include things like intimidation. Now, intimidation may be doing things that make you feel afraid by using either a look, a threatening look, or a threatening action or a threatening gesture or maybe smashing things or maybe destroying your property or maybe being cruel to your pets or maybe making you aware of any weapons that they might have on hand. So when I talk about, you know, actions, threatening actions, it might be something like raising a hand or holding up, you know, their arm with a clenched fist or making any other sort of threatening gestures that create fear. And that's the whole point of why they are using intimidation is to make you scared. And then there's emotional abuse, and this is a very big area. And this might be something like he's putting you down or he's making you feel bad about yourself or maybe he's calling you names or he's making you feel crazy by playing mind games with you. Or maybe he's humiliating you and making you feel guilty. Now, as I said, this is a big area and it's a huge area of power and control that can wear you down and make you lose your confidence in yourself and in your judgment. So maybe he's punishing you or making fun of you or maybe he is refusing to speak to you and maybe he's ignoring requests for things that you need. Maybe he's making fun of your culture. Maybe he's making fun of your traditions. Maybe he's making fun of your religion. And maybe he's making fun of personal tastes that you have in things. So these are all examples of what emotional abuse looks like. 
The next area is isolation. And isolation, again, is a huge area because it is a very big part of someone else gaining power and control over someone else. And it's something that can happen gradually over time. So maybe he's controlling what you do or he controls who you see and who you talk to or when you see somebody or when you talk to them. So it's about limiting, limiting what you're able to do, limiting you being able to tap into people who can support you and help you to feel strong in yourself. Maybe he's using control with the things that you read or even watch. You know, maybe he's limiting you from watching the news or staying informed about what's going on in the world. Maybe he's limiting you from where you're going. Maybe he limits your movement or maybe he limits time outside of the home. Maybe he's using jealousy or protectiveness to justify his actions for limiting you. So just for example, if you use a motorised wheelchair and he does not put it on to charge, and this means that you are limited in your ability to move around and go places, then this is a form of power and control that he's using over you. Another alarm is that he may be stopping you from using the phone, making it difficult for you to contact anyone. Or maybe you are wanting to work and he is limiting your employment possibilities because of a caregiver schedule. Or maybe he is discouraging you to have contact with a case manager or an advocate. All of these things are limiting And all of these things are about gaining power and control over you. So if that is something that's happening to you, if you're being isolated, then it's really important to talk to a support person about this, not the person who is doing this to you. The next thing on the list is a thing called minimising or denying, or blaming. So, for example, this is when he makes light of the abusive things that he's doing, Um, just like it's no big deal and it doesn't take your concerns about what's happening seriously. Or maybe he's just denying the abuse is happening. Or he might be trying to shift the responsibility from him for the abusive behaviour to you, maybe saying something to you like, look what you made me do, maybe making you feel like you caused this somehow and somehow it's your fault. So maybe he's denying the physical and emotional pain of your disability. Maybe he is justifying rules that he has made that limit your autonomy to do things, which means your decision-making or maybe it's, you know, impacted on your dignity and um, and maybe it's impacted on you or your ability to access programs that will make you feel good about yourself. 
And maybe he is blaming the disability that um, you have for the abuse. Maybe he's blaming the stress that the disability causes him for the abuse. So this is, it's trying to justify it and somehow make you feel responsible for the things that he's doing. The next thing, if you have children, is that um, he could be using children by doing things like making you feel guilty um, about him having the children or by using the children to relay messages rather than speaking directly to you or by using visitation with the children to harass you or by threatening to take the children away or threatening to harm the children. These are all ways that he can exert power and control over you. The next is withholding or the misuse of delay of needed support. So what this might look like is something like using medication to sedate you for agency convenience or ignoring equipment safety requirements or breaking, damaging or not fixing adaptive equipment or refusing to use or destroying or not charging a communication device, withdrawing care or equipment to immobilise the person or using equipment to torture somebody. So there's that is what um, withholding or the misuse of or the delay of needed supports look like. So definitely look at it with it if any of those things are happening to you. The next thing is economic abuse. And what this might look like is preventing you from getting a job or keeping a job or making you ask for money or giving you an allowance or taking your money or not letting you know about how to have access to the family income. Or it might be using your property and money for the staff's benefit if you are in a care facility or perhaps maybe stealing from you or using property and or money as a reward for behaviour or a punishment to you for certain behaviour. Um, or it could be making financial decisions based on the agencies or the family's needs or limiting access to financial information and resources. So that's a big area and financial disempowerment is, is one very clear way to exert control over somebody. So, and you have a right to know what is going on with your money and to make some decisions around that. Now, the next is care of caregiver privilege. What this might look like um, is that the person who's treating the person with a disability um, is, is treating them like they're a child or a servant, or maybe they're making unilateral decisions that exclude the person with a disability from having any say. So providing care that accentuates the dependence and the vulnerability. 
or I'm giving an opinion as it was the person with the disabilities opinion without first getting that opinion from the disabled person. So, yeah, that's kind of speaking on your behalf when you, in fact, might feel very differently to what that person is saying on your behalf. Or it could be denying you um, the right to privacy or it could be ignoring, discouraging or stopping you from exercising with your full capabilities. And finally, it may be coercion or threats. So what this looks like is making or carrying out threats to do something to hurt you or threatening to leave you or threatening for them to threaten to commit suicide or threatening to report you to welfare or making you drop charges against them or making you do illegal things. It could be that he is threatening to hurt you or withhold basic support and basic rights. Or maybe he's threatening to terminate the relationship and leave you unattended and alone. Or maybe he is using consequences and punishments to gain compliant behaviour. So that means for you to agree with the things that he wants you to do. In other words, he wants you to, he just wants to manipulate you or maybe he's pressuring you to engage in fraud or other crimes. So in any of these things, if if any of these things are happening to you, you have a right to get help and support to help this from to stop happening to you. If this is something that has happened to you in the past, you also have a right to get help and support to help you to deal with the traumas of what you have been through. So let's just stop and talk about your rights for a moment because this is very important, okay, because all of these things can be happening to you, but unless you understand that you have a right for these things not to happen to you, you may still hesitate in getting the support that you need. So let's talk about what those rights look like. Okay, so let's get super clear about all of this um, and you'll, you'll be able to judge whether or not your rights are being abused. And let's start with the United Nations Human Rights Conventions for Women with Disabilities. So, one, there's a convention on the eliminations of all forms of discrimination against women, and Australia supports this convention. So, because they support this convention, this obligates governments to implement actions to support the convention. Uh, and there are two general recommendations made in this convention. The first is that disabled women require governments to include women with disabilities in all mainstream measures to eliminate discrimination and to include special measures to achieve equality as necessary. The second states that violence against women outlines those measures needed to eliminate violence um, including legal protections, additional actions, provision of support services and collection of data. So there's a whole lot in that. The second one is the Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities. And it, 
goes like this, to promote, protect and ensure the full and equal enjoyment of all human rights and fundamental freedoms by all persons with disabilities and to promote respect for their inherent dignity. That women with multiple disabilities have experienced multiple discriminations, increasing their marginalisation compared with men with disabilities and compared to non-disabled women. Governments are required to address the marginalisation of women with disabilities. Women with disabilities are entitled to equal recognition before the law. People with disabilities must be assumed to have legal capacity in all aspects of life and need to be given the support they need to exercise this right. And the implementation requires reviews of guardianship laws and provision of appropriate supports which enable people with disabilities to make their own decisions. The government needs to develop supported decision-making mechanisms to enable people with disabilities to make decisions in their own right. Government needs to ensure protection of people with disabilities, both within and outside of their home, to help prevent the occurrence of violence and abuse through informing and educating people with disabilities about all forms of violence. And the government recognises the need for stringent monitoring of all programs which serve people with disabilities. Importantly, it requires investigation of all forms of abuse and instigation of programs of recovery and rehabilitation for people with disabilities who have been affected by violence. Basically, we all have a right to feel safe and be safe in our homes, in our relationships, in our places of work and in our communities. And I hope that you can see from the different types of violence and abuse that I described that it is not always something that has physically taken place. It might be a threatening look or a threatening gesture that is making you feel unsafe. This is just as much domestic and family violence as things that physically may be happening. If you remember that power and control is the driver, that the person's aim is to make you feel afraid and unable to defend yourself. So if this is happening and you are feeling afraid of another person because they are doing any of the things that I have described in this episode, then it is very important for you to get help and support. You know your situation better than anyone and it is not for me to tell you specifically who to speak to and when I say this, I don't in any way want to abandon you in your time of needing to access support. What I do want to say is that you need to use your best judgment to talk to somebody that you feel you can trust to get help and support and the aim is always to put your safety first. So think about 
who you can talk to, who will not leave you more vulnerable to that person who is harming you. And I want you to remember that you deserve respect, you deserve dignity, and you deserve appropriate care where you are free from harm or free from the threat of being harmed. And other reasons to that I want you to not dismiss other non-physical forms of harm, and this is very important, is because you're not in control of the other person and there is no guarantee that the non-physical harm may at some stage become physical. And that is why it is important to put your safety first, even if it is non-physical forms of harm that you may be experiencing at this time. Now, there is a list of services, as I mentioned, that may be helpful to you. And if you are in Australia and that list will also contain keyword searches, if you are outside of Australia, that might help you in finding and connecting with the right support. If you are a carer or a friend or a family member of someone with a disability, if you have concerns that this person that you know may have been harmed or may be at risk of being harmed, you may start with straightforward questions with the person like, do you know anything about domestic and family violence and abuse? And wait for that response. And from that point, continue the conversation as inclusively and with as much sensitivity as you can to identify if that person is in need of specialist support. There are many women who experience PTSD as a result of their experiences and the mental anguish that domestic and family violence and abuse causes and creates PTSD for people, well, you know, this can often disable a woman's capacity to function normally in life. And I'm someone who suffers from PTSD. And I was born with a couple of um, conditions, one called Sprengel shoulder and another called Klippelfile syndrome, as well as having HLA B27, um, which affects my, makes me immunocompromised. Um, And these things have, you know, caused me to have suffered from chronic pain my whole life and have limited my mobility with my left side. And many times it's rendered me feeling unable to perform normally in life. And despite my mental and physical limitations, I still consider myself very capable and blessed to be able to move through life independently without the need of support carers. And although I may have a certain empathy for people with disabilities because of the things that I live with, it doesn't mean that I understand fully the complexities of their day-to-day lives. And it was a rude shock for me to learn the staggering rates of abuse that women with disabilities are subjected to. And that is why it became my top priority to get this podcast episode together this week to cover this vital topic. 
I hope that this helps. Please remember to put your safety first and take care of your mental health and your overall well-being. And please seek support if you are feeling afraid of someone because of what they have done or are threatening to do or they are doing to you. Okay, please stay well. Please stay safe. Lots of love, light and blessings, Sandy. We all go through dark times. When we do, we often feel alone. This is a safe space for you to come and look for some light. I'm a survivor of an abusive relationship and for a long time I had no voice because I was too scared to speak up and speak out about what was happening to me. I couldn't see a light at the end of the tunnel, but when I turned a corner in my life, the light started filtering through and I left my old life behind. I am here now to help other women feel seen, heard and valued. I'm reaching out with my light shining on you to help you find your way out of the darkness. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. A note of encouragement. If you are struggling with your mental health, please reach out for support with some form of counselling. If you don't know where to start to find a counsellor, a good place to start is to talk with your doctor. There are also many online counselling supports available. And a word of advice, if the counsellor is not a good fit for you, try another. And if you need to, try another until you have one that is the right fit for you. Tune in again for the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs podcast, helping women who have been hurt to heal and grow hosted by me sandy j this program provides a safe place to work on inner peace and a strong mindset spells out how to spot the red flags advises on ways to stay safe and work on effective safety planning gives tips on how to look after you when things are tough teaches empowerment strategies acknowledges life's challenges and explores ways to make these challenges head on to go from surviving to rising to striving and finally to thriving. The show includes interviews with other survivors who have come out the other side who share their stories and insights as well as interviews with therapists and people working in support roles. I am a survivor and I use my experience and skills to help other women like me. Please listen and be uplifted to rise in this safe space where dignity, kindness and compassion are treasured. And don't forget, if you need some support, I am here for you. I don't want any woman to suffer alone in silence. I don't want any woman to feel oppressed and feel that there is no way out. I want you to know that you can turn a corner. 
I am a life change facilitator. I help women regain control over their lives. You can find me at sandyj.com.au. Hey now, can you just pause a moment before you go? Because I need you to share your light and leave a review. Can you just take a quick minute to leave a review in iTunes to let other women know this is a show they can trust? It would mean the world to me if you could help shine a light for someone who can't see the light at the end of their tunnel. I need you to do this for someone else who needs some support and encouragement. If you like this show, please subscribe and you will automatically be updated with future episodes when they are released. And please share this podcast with anyone you know who it might help. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Sending you lots of love and light and above all else, wishing you well. You are brilliant. Keep shining. Stay safe, Sandy.